In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who tells us clearly that our lives matter. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the story of Goldilocks is probably one that you all know. Uh, You probably didn't know that it has kind of a, well, dubious past, as probably most children's stories do if you look just far back enough. And um, the, the story of Goldilocks actually started off with an old kind of crotchety woman who was wandering through the forest and stumbled upon a, well, college dorm room. Because there were three bears living in it, and um, they, they were all um, uh, bachelor bears. It, it, um, that, that was the, the wording that was used. And so um, this old crafty woman comes in, and, and um, she does her thing just kind of like Goldilocks does. And um, she tests everything out and, and makes sure that um, finally finds uh, what it is that she wants. Well, um, uh, a little bit later on, when uh, this story gets translated into the Americas, um, uh, we ditch the crotchety old woman and we put in her stead a nice cute little girl and uh, then we have our story of Goldilocks and if you know the story of Goldilocks you know that what Goldilocks does is that Goldilocks is kind of skipping through the forest one day and she happens upon this uh, house full of bears and um, uh, by this time instead of three bachelor bears the bears are a family it's a mama bear a papa bear and a baby bear right and uh, as uh, Goldilocks uh, goes in to the house, she finds that there are three of everything. And um, she finds that there are three chairs, there's three beds, there's three bowls of porridge, there's three everything. And, and by the end of the story, she has tested everything out, and she has basically found out that uh, baby bear's stuff fits her perfectly. Um, yeah, daddy's stuff is, is too big, and, and mama's stuff is just a little bit different. Uh, but baby bear, uh, baby bear is where it's at. And so what she does is at the end, the last thing that she tries out, because she's had a little bit of porridge to eat, and she's a little bit sleepy, and she goes to the bed, and when she goes into the bed and uh, into Baby Bear's bed, pulls the covers up over her head and begins to take a nap. Well, that's when the three bears come back. And when the three bears come back, they're a little bit surprised to find all of their stuff here, there, and everywhere. And they are especially surprised as Baby Bear looks in Baby Bear's bed, and there is a human little girl. And depending on the way that your story ends, the human little girl either gets eaten, probably not in any kind of, like, recent storybook or uh, the the little girl jumps up jumps out of the window and goes running off never to be seen again and the moral of this story is what don't mess with people's stuff But if it's only about don't mess with people's stuff, then why the intricacy of finding out what exactly fits Goldilocks? Why all of this uh, detail spent on, well, Goldilocks going to Papa Bear's chair and then saying, well, this is a little too roomy. And uh, Goldilocks going to Mama Bear's porridge and saying, well, this is a little bit too cold or whatever it is. 
Well, a part of it is that it's trying to teach what it is for us to find certain levels, certain balances in our life that we like to have. And one of those balances that we like to have is in terms of this question that I asked you at the beginning of service, which is how much would you like your life to matter? Because all of us probably on the outset of hearing that we're all very good Westerners. We've all been brought up with this idea, ideology of I am going to go out there and I am going to change the world and I'm going to make this world a better place. And so all of you probably in your head started off thinking, I want my life to matter. Absolutely. In fact, if you ask most people, most little folks as they're growing up, usually the things that they come up with are jobs and vocations that matter absolutely. They're things that they are going to go out and they are going to serve the world and they are going to make it a better place and it's going to be great. And that is why Florida State is going to be inundated with all kinds of pre-med majors in just a week. And why, in about a semester, about half of them are going to still be around? Because we find out that having your life matter and having something that matters be the outcome of your life, well, it's kind of difficult. And it puts a lot of pressure on you. And so a lot of us, we get partway into life and we start saying, well, actually, maybe I don't want my life to matter all that much. If my life doesn't matter, my life is a whole lot easier. I can binge watch Netflix forever if my life doesn't matter. And so we, we come up with this sort of balance And just like Goldilocks, we go through life and we try to figure out what it is that we have in in those balancing scales. And how much we want to change the world is on one side of that balance. And how much, well, we don't want our lives really to matter all that much is on another side of that balance. Well, that same balance is usually what pops up in our lives when we take a look at the things that we read in the Bible. When we take a look at the things that we read in the Bible, a lot of times we look at those things and we say, I want my life to matter. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to follow him. And I want that to mean that my life will matter to somebody else, that I will be able to go out there and I will be able to speak the gospel to somebody, that I'll be able to tell somebody about forgiveness, that I'll be able to tell somebody about how great this God is. And then we come up against the hard things in life and and we start going, well, uh, that's a little bit more difficult than what I thought it was. Maybe my life doesn't need to matter quite that much. And I know where this pops up in my life and in my reading of the scriptures. It pops up in my life and my reading of the scriptures uh, when I say something very specific to the Bible as I'm reading along in the Bible and I'm reading and I'm going, okay, that's good. Yeah, that's nice. All right. uh, Perfect. And then there'll be something that comes up like if somebody wants your jacket, give him your shirt 
too. Or care for everyone as if you would care for yourself. Or uh, stay away from sin. Pluck out your eye if it causes you to sin. And in all of those moments where I start getting that little sense of being uncomfortable, where, well, maybe this doesn't quite fit me where I want my balance to be, I say, but I am saved by grace. So I don't have to do that stuff. I only have to do what I feel comfortable with. And that's not exactly what Paul is saying here. Now, don't mishear me. Paul is saying that you are saved by grace. Paul is saying that you could leave here and do nothing but go and watch Netflix all day and then die at the end of the day and you would still be saved by grace. You wouldn't have to do anything magical, anything great for the world. You would still be saved by grace. But what Paul is reminding these Ephesians of is that they have a freedom that is given to them in that grace. That they have a freedom to live in a way that is distinct. A freedom to live in a way that is different. A freedom to live in a way that can reject the paradigm of the Goldilocks situation. And it's actually just a continuation of what we were talking about last week when we were talking about how you were created for eternity and how that can change your life. Well, and this is just slightly different because in this one, Paul isn't talking about how being created and invited into eternity changes your life. He's talking about how it changes the lives of others. He's talking about how when you live with this wisdom, that it reveals something about who God is. And that in that revelation of who God is and how wise God is, that's why our Old Testament today reading is from Proverbs. And it has all to do with this woman who is sending out people to come to her party. And this woman is wisdom. It's why when Jesus is talking about all of this crazy stuff about, well, be a vampire. It's why all of those readings are, are centralized on this idea of being different and distinct. And having that distinction make a difference to somebody else. And so it means that in some ways we're, we're sort of like hipster Goldilocks. Where we, we don't approach life and say, well, I'm just going to consume whatever chairs are there available to me. You are going out there. You are cutting down a tree and you are building a rocking chair. On God's design of what it means to be human. And it's going to look different and it's going to look maybe a little bit strange and it's going to look actually kind of intriguing to other people. And they're going to start saying, well, what is going on with this person? They are so odd. But they're odd in kind of an attractive way. And I like attractive odd. Because that's who Jesus is. Right? 
Jesus is attractive odd, isn't he? he he's this, this guy who he, he walks around, he looks like all of us, and yet he's a little bit different. And he shows how that difference, how that distinction makes a difference in your life. How that makes a difference in your life is that you know that you have been forgiven by him, that he has shed his blood in order to forgive you. And so you know that if you shed your blood metaphorically or maybe even literally in order to forgive someone, that that is going to be a good thing because you know that Jesus is good. And it's odd, but it's attractive. And you know that if you continue to live your life in a way that follows who he is, then that is going to have a difference. Not just for you, but for other people. And that's what Paul is reminding the Ephesians to do. And that is what he's reminding us all to do. Is to embrace the odd. To embrace the strange. To embrace the things that God has given you that you know are true, but you know that, well, maybe not everybody lives their life this way, but that's okay. Because when it comes down to it, you're not really looking for a comfortable chair or a comfortable bed or porridge at exactly the right temperature. You don't have to be looking for all of that. Because the way that we try to set up life a lot of times is kind of like this teeter-totter. And we figure that, well, if we get everything just exactly the right balance between how much effect we can have on people's lives and how comfortable we can be, well, then if we live in that way and we just kind of have this balance, well, then that'll be all right. But what Paul is saying is break the teeter-totter. Because God gives you all of the comfort that you really need. That doesn't mean that comfort is a bad thing. It just means that if comfort is the most important thing to you, you have all of it already taken care of for you in the resurrection. And so because of that, you can live your life in a way that is different, in a way that is distinct, in a way that follows him, because you're already filled up with all of the comfort that you could ever want. Amen.